0: Praise the Lord. Thank you for the great song. Thank you for the truth. Thank you for being in your place on a cold Sunday night, amen? And uh, you can be opening your Bibles to the book of Exodus chapter number 24. I've prayed, I've struggled, but I'm going to mind the Lord, and I believe he'll be glorified. And uh, I just want to tell you, church, how much I appreciate you and, and love you, love your spirit, love just love this church, and uh, love your pastor and his family, and uh, you know, when you're in evangelism, I, I try to stay fresh, I study and try to have new messages, and, and God always honors that. And it's never, I, I pastored for so long and preached so many times, it's never a matter when you preach out your pastor will tell you of having something. It's a matter of making sure you have the message that God wants the people to have. And though there may be a lot of empty places tonight, I know there are many watching, I hope watching by way of uh, live stream as they're watching the game and the live stream simultaneously and uh, pause the game and, and listen for a few moments and I believe the Lord will be blessed. A little unusual message tonight, I think I've preached here enough and y'all know my heart that I can get away with it and more than importantly, God knows my heart so I believe I'll be right in order, amen? Exodus chapter number 24, and I want to start reading in verse number 12. The Lord said unto Moses, Come up to me unto the, in, unto, into the mount, and be there, and I will give thee tables of stone, and a law and commandments which I have written, that thou mayest teach them. Moses rose up, and his minister Joshua, and Moses went up into the mount of God. And he said unto the elders, Tarry you here for us until we come again unto you, and behold, Aaron and her are with you. If any man have any matters to do, let him come unto them. And Moses went up into the mount, and a cloud covered the mount. We can skip down in verse 18. Moses went into the midst of the cloud and get him up into the mount. Moses was in the mount forty days and forty nights. I want you to notice verse number 13. The Bible said Moses rose up. I'm interested in these next four words and his minister, Joshua. I- I've been in this thing a long time. Others way longer than me, some shorter than me. But I was a pastor for almost 21, I think it was 21 years. My wife knows that. Dad either, I think it's 21 and I've uh, been in ministry about 32 years full-time, and uh, God's been good to me. And over the years, I've heard a lot of messages to churches about the pastor, and to be honest, they sometimes bothered me for several reasons. Number one, sometimes it's just a buddy having his buddy into feather to feather's nest, and that's never of God, That's it's never right. And then secondly, it seems like every time you hear a message, it's always about how people just need to get the guy, buy the preacher a new car, build him a new house, give him more money, and that's not always right either, amen? Brother, your pastor knows what I'm talking about. We've been in this long enough that I've heard and seen that, so I've always shied away from preaching those rah-rah messages. However, I couldn't get away yesterday, the Lord started working on my heart, and And I'm not going to deal with with taking care of your pastor. I believe this church takes care of of, of the pastor. And I'm so thankful that you have that testimony. What a blessing. And you take care. How do I know you take care of your pastor? Because you take care of guest preachers. And I've learned, learned as a pastor, and I learned a long time ago, churches that know how to take care of a guest preacher are normally doing a great job taking care of their pastor. And I, I want to commend you for that, church. And, uh, but I want to deal with this thought tonight for a few moments. It is his birthday. He is 50 years old, and they're 52 years old. I want to preach on this thought. You know, the job of the pastor is to feed the sheep, Right? Daily, he gets up 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and his job is to minister to you. But have you ever thought about your job in ministering to him? And I want to preach on this thought, how to minister to your minister. I'm not going to come at you uh, in negative, okay? So you don't have to put the walls up. I'm not going to ask you to, you know, to, to, I just want to try to encourage you. Most churches I know love their pastor. And they're looking for ways, how can we be a blessing? How can we help him? It's hard for the pastor to get up. And say, church, thank God for me, and here's what you can do to help me. It sounds self-serving. It just does. And even a message like this coming, and he had no idea I'm preaching this, and I didn't tell him because he said, no, 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 Brother Brian, do something else. But I've really felt love of God, and I've prayed and searched my heart. Uh, And he's going to be uncomfortable because he would just assume uh, nothing be done. I know his heart, and I was the same way. I shy away from being in the spotlight. Though I was the pastor, uh, when we had fellowships, I got my food last. My people wanted me to go first. I got mine last. I, you know, I, if there wasn't going to be enough or the good stuff was going to be gone, I, I, did, I would just assume them get it and I'll eat something at the house. And I would just assume walk around. My wife said she felt like a church widow at most functions because I was around shaking hands, talking to people, and 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 not. And, and I understand the role of a pastor. And I just want to maybe help you. Be able to minister to him Not in a financial way I'm not talking about finances You ought to take care of him I believe you do take care of him So I'm not dealing with that So you can can just rest easy And I'm not going to come at you As you're not doing a good job I believe you are But I also know from a pastor's perspective That was a pastor for many years Most people never really understand The pastor But another pastor Because we've been there And if I, as an evangelist, can help you know a little bit about him, it may help you know how to be a blessing to him. Now, I believe most people in most churches want to be a blessing to their pastor. Very few want to be a burden. Now there are some, (laughs) that that, that's their their job in life and they do it very well, amen? But most people honestly want to be a blessing. I believe there's way more great people in our churches than devils in our churches. I believe there's way more good deacons than bad deacons, but anytime you hear deacons preached on, they're always devils and demons and horrible and terrible. I have great deacons. I never went somewhere else and criticized my members or my deacons. I thank God for the the church. We, they weren't perfect. I wasn't perfect. Yes, we had issues, but they were great men, and they did a great job for me, and I love them. I, I don't criticize them. I've never, I'm not a pastor now, and I don't put them down. I thank God, but it's interesting. I was reading my Bible sometime back, and I come across this phrase. Have you ever thought about Joshua? Joshua is not just a little snot-nosed punk kid. Joshua led the armies for Moses, if you remember, against the enemy. Before this, Joshua is a general that has had success. He's a leader and a man of men. And yet here in chapter 24, the thing God wants us to know about this great man Joshua, this guy that can be a leader, this guy that can say, Hey, Moses, I can do this as good as you can. He's ministering to the man of God. Now that spoke to my heart. And how do we minister to our minister? There, there are some things you need to understand about your minister that will help you, your pastor, that will help you minister to him. Amen? I want to give you those, and I'll be through. let Let's have a word of prayer. Father, I love you. And Lord, I thank you for this church. And Lord, I don't preach this because I think they're doing a bad job. I, I could only feel comfortable preaching this because I do believe they're doing a good job. And God, I do believe they love their pastor, and I do believe they care. So this is not coming from a point of, I think they're horrible sheep. I think they're great sheep. But God, because I think they're great sheep, I believe, Lord, that you've laid on my heart on this man's birthday. It's no accident of all the times I could be here. It's on his birthday. He's so gracious to schedule a preacher and then want to take up an offering for me on his birthday God, I thank you for the spirit, the love, the dedication of Bill Zawadzki. And Lord, he's a friend, but I'm not preaching this because he's my friend. I'm preaching it because it's truth and because this is what you've told me to preach. I pray you use it, and I pray, God, that you anoint me and anoint your hearers and encourage us tonight through the word in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, I want you to notice some things that would help us know how to minister to. I am now a member of the church. I try to follow these things and minister to my pastor. Amen. I was a pastor. I want to minister to him. I want him to think about me and feel like that's one of the best members I've got. Not from a pride standpoint, but from the standpoint that he knows I'm doing everything I can to help him be the shepherd of that church. Amen. Now, I've heard so many bad stories of pastors that quit pastoring juncture. coaches and the horrible numbers. I don't want to be that for my man of God. I want to be there. There's some things we can understand using uh, the story of Joshua. So we're going to flip around a little bit here in Exodus. But notice, first of all, it would help us to understand the divine appointment that God places upon a pastor. The divine appointment. By the way, this could go through for the two assistant pastors in here as well, all right? Uh, The divine appointment. Look in Exodus chapter number three and just want you to notice something very quickly. The Bible said in Exodus chapter 3, verse number 7, you know this, uh, and I saw verse 10, Exodus 3, verse 10, the Lord speaking to Moses, and God says to him in Exodus 3, verse 10, you know the story, he appears to him in that burning bush and tells tells him what he's going to do, and in Exodus 3, verse 10, God said to Moses, come now therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh. That thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Now I want you to understand. The Bible says, and by the way, if you know the story of Moses, what's Moses do? Moses does everything he can to get out of this. But God said, Moses, you're not doing this because you've chosen it. Now you're not doing this because you decided to. Or because it's, it's something, your career choice, you're doing this. And you're not going to do anything else because this is what I have commanded you to do in Acts chapter number 7 if you can't turn there in time just just make a note and you can look at these verses later Acts chapter 7 and, and verse number 25 listen to what the Bible said about Moses and Stephen is, is preaching here and giving his great message and in Acts 7 verse 25 the Bible said speaking Stephen talking about Moses for he supposed his brethren would have understood how that God by his hand would deliver them but they understood not. I've got a message God gave me, I've only got to preach it one time, to preachers on he supposed they would understand. Sometimes preachers suppose our people understand things that they they just don't understand. But in the context here, what I want you to notice is that Moses, uh, Stephen said Moses thought the people would know that he is doing what he's doing because God told him to when they got to the Red Sea and Pharaoh's coming and there's mountains on each side and they're stuck Moses just thought the people would understand I'm doing this because God said when the plagues were hitting and Pharaoh was coming down hard on the people there in Goshen Moses just supposed that the people would understand this is not of Moses Moses is not doing this out of his own volition he's doing this because that is what God told him to do I want you to understand this evening that your pastor is being a pastor is not just a profession. It's not just a job. It's not a position. It's a calling. It is a God called appointed position. And any man that's not been called of God has no business being in the pulpit of a church. Because it's not always going to be easy, man. How Exodus chapter 2 verse number 14 If you remember how those fellows Looked at Moses and said Who may be a prince And a judge over us Well I can answer that fellows, God did <laughs> God did. And sometimes we have the idea. Number 16.3 how Korah looks at Moses and and some of those followers of Korah and they said, you take too much upon you seeing all the congregation of Holy every one of them and the Lord is among them. Wherefore then lift ye up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord. And again I've got the answer to that. Moses everything Moses did he was doing because he had a divine appointment of God. Here's what I want you to understand. Your pastor is the pastor of Loomis Park Baptist Church because God called him to that position. And if we, I am over Operation Go not because I made a career choice. I was perfectly fine pastoring. I had a great church. We were well taken care of. A lot of things I could say, but God said, you're done, and here's what you're doing next. I couldn't do anything else if I wanted to, if I'm going to do that with God, preacher, because that's what God called me to do. Sometimes I'm afraid we look at a pastor almost like we look at a CEO of a corporation or the chief. Listen, this man is doing what he does and he's not doing it because you pay him. We gotten some t- financial spots. So Several years into my church, we had a great church. Things were going great. I had an assistant decide to create all kinds of problems. We had a huge church split, and and our weekly, uh, our monthly offerings went from fifty-two thousand dollars a month. That wasn't missions; that was just general, all the way down to eighteen to twenty-two thousand a month. And our budget was right at forty thousand a month. I remember my kids, and, and we were sitting doing devotion, and my kids said, Daddy, what, how are we going to make it? I said, because they told them, I, I met with all the leadership, and I met with all the men in the church, and I said, look, until such time as we get back on our feet, and God's going to let us get back on our feet, this will pass, the church bills and the church staff will be paid before I get paid. I didn't come here as pastor to take your money. I came because God told me to come. And until God says leave, I will be here if that means getting a public job and still pastoring you. I didn't have to do that. God miraculously took care of us. I did what, and people said, are you leaving, preacher? I said, well, God hadn't told me to leave. Well, preacher, we know many others are getting problems. And then the, look, I'm here for one reason. I was there, God called. Your pastor's here because God called him. Things get bad, don't get nervous. It's amazing how we get nervous. Hey, listen, thank God for the great times, but there will be struggles in a church because there's people in the church. He's here because God called him. He's going to do it because God called him. He's going to serve you because God called him. And that helps you to understand. This is, that means, uh, you know, when he goes on vacation and thank God, him and Sister Carrie and the kids got away. And I, I prayed for him and I was so thankful that God was so gracious to send them off and let him be gone that two weeks. But can I tell you, though he was gone for two weeks, there wasn't a day he quit being a pastor. I promise you he was still praying for you, still worried about, concern, not worried, but concerned and burdened and praying about the surgeries and the other things going on. And I promise you on Sunday he was praying God bless Lewis Park and part of his heart was here because God called him. I'm just simply saying that sometimes we forget, hey, listen, this is, this is not like maybe other places, this is not like other professions, this is not a profession, it's a calling of God and God's hands upon your pastor. Hey, there's a divine appointment. But secondly, I want you to notice his direction. And then notice in Exodus 24. The Lord said unto Moses, Come up to me. Uh, verse number 13. of, of Moses rose up. And his minister, Joshua, and Moses went up. Look at verse 15. Moses went up. Verse 18. Moses went to the midst of the cloud and got him up. Can I tell you tonight that your pastor's desire, your pastor, the way you can minister to your pastor is understand his direction. And his direction is one thing. He's wanting to bring you as close as he can to God. He's wanting to bring this church as close to God's way he's wanting to move up in every area. Whether it be missions, whether it be the bus route, whether it be membership, whether it be whatever it may be, his goal is he's trying to take as many as will let him and move up. Can I tell you it would be a great day if members just understood sometimes the pastor's going to make decisions they don't understand. He's going to ask things they don't understand. He's going to walk things they don't understand. Sometimes you may not even agree with it, but if you've got a man of God, do you have a man of God? in The answer to that is absolutely yes. Then understand he's got one direction. He's trying to go up. He's not trying to hurt the church. He may say, hey, I feel like God wants us to do this. And the leadership may say, preacher, if we do that, we're going to drain all the money. He's not trying to drain the money down. He's trying to go up. He may say, I think we need to deal with this issue. Picture if we deal with this issue, we may lose some people. But he's trying to take the church up. You understand what I'm saying? No pastor's looking to slim the church if they're the right kind of pastor. I've heard these guys that say bless God, they look better going than they do coming. There is no such thing. I don't care who they are, it hurts. Anytime you lose somebody, anytime someone backslides, anytime they get out of church, it hurts the man of God Because he's God called and there's a desire and there's a burden in his heart that God's not going to put on anyone else other than the pastor he's trying to go up. He's trying to move up. Moses was constantly trying to get up. Get up to where God was. Get up in God's next direction. Get up to God's next. He was moving up. I could spend a lot of time on that. But understand, your pastor has a divine appointment. His direction is he's moving up. Look with me in Exodus. Hold your place in Exodus. Look with me in Ephesians, sorry. And look in chapter number four. And in Ephesians chapter number four, Look at verse number 7 through 12. If you know Ephesians 4, he's saying that we need to have unity. Verses 4 through 6, there's one body, one spirit, one hope, one word, one faith, one baptism. And then in verse 7, let's pick up in Ephesians 4 verse 7. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now, do you notice in verse 9, there's a parenthetical, there's a parenthesis. Okay? And it goes all the way into verse 10 at the end, right? Do y'all see that? What that means is, now this is the word of God, there's no mistakes, no accidents, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is in the English, what that lets us know is this is an added statement to explain what he just said in verse number 8. Okay, so verses nine and ten is simply explaining what he said on in verse eight when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now, to understand what those gifts are, we got to get past this parenthetical. Because verse 9 he says, he that ascended, so he's talking about the ascension, what is it but that he also descended first in the part of the earth, he that descended is the same also, that ascended up far above the heavens, that he above all heavens, that he might feel all things, so he explains when he ascended, and then in verse 11 he picks back up and, which is a conjunction, he gave some apostles prophets evangelists pastors and teachers for the perfecting notice that that end is a continuation of verse eight he gave gifts unto men do you realize tonight that god said that the pastor of a church is a gift of god that he gives a church it may help you be a little bit more kind and a little bit more understanding and a little bit more careful when you understand God looks at the pastor and says, I gifted that church. Now, let me tell you how your pastor feels. He feels you're the gift to him, and he should feel that way. But And he can't tell you this, but see, I can't because I'm the evangelist. You, you have a gift. God said, I'm going to gift the part." You want to know how much you think of this church? He gifted you one of the best pastors I know. I don't say that when I'm just around him. I say that when I'm away. I brag on him all over the country. I wish every preacher's conference they'd get this man in and just get him to speak and teach about how to have the right spirit and a right stand because no one does it any better than Billy You've got a great Which means you've not got just a gift. You've got a great gift. Amen. You ever know, have people give you gifts for birthday and, and they're all nice and they're all appreciated, but then you have that one gift? Every Christmas, I guarantee you. Think about Christmas time, you've got a bunch of gifts, but there's one that you think, man, I love that one. That's what God gave you. He's given the church many gifts. But he gave you a big gift He gave you a pastor That's not to be taken lightly That's not to be taken for granted And God said I want you to understand That that, that his direction is he's going up Notice what his job is That gift is the perfecting of the saints The work of the ministry And the edifying That word edifying doesn't just mean to lift up It means to teach It means to, to, to tell you what you need to hear The edifying of the body of Christ God said that gift is to preach to you I believe y'all have got a great gift, don't you? His divine appointment, his direction. Notice number three, his doctrine. In Exodus chapter 25, and I'm not going to read all these chapters so don't get nervous. Exodus 25 all the way to Exodus chapter 31, God tells Moses, come up on the mount. He starts in chapter 24, and God says, I'm going to give you instruction for the people. And if you know the chapters, chapter 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, God lays out the direction for the tabernacle, how to make the furniture, how to make the tabernacle, how to do the priesthood, how to make the priest clothes, all the laws, all the rules, the commandments, the Ten Commandments were given in there, everything they needed to live. Notice God gave that to a man. And he had the man write it down. Now, I'm not dismissing the word of God, understand. Every man of God is tethered to the word of God if he's the right kind of man. But we're living in a day, if we're not careful, church, many Christians, many sheep are getting their doctrine from everywhere else but the shepherd God gave them. It's dangerous in this day with internet, YouTube, all these, uh, what am I talking about, The, the podcast, and thank God there's some great things, but can you listen to me for just a moment? God gave one man for all of Israel, the directions for the church, the directions for the priesthood, who to put in it, how to make them operate, and how the people were to live. Now, God could have had a committee come up. He didn't do it that way. God said, I'm going to use a man to give instruction and teach my people. He didn't even bring love with him, preacher. Just Moses. Be very careful about who you get your doctrine from. Will y'all give me just a moment to help you with something God gave me? Leviticus 13, 14, and 15. Mark the chapters, just write them down if you want. Look them up later. I know you'll find you remember them the minute I tell you Leviticus 12, 13, 14, 15. It's the chapters that when you get to in your Bible reading, you don't want to read because it's all about leprosy. And it's if the spot be this, and if it be red, if it be white, if it be larger than, if it be smaller than, if it's a little whitish, if it's a little greenish, if it gives all these things. Now many of you have been in church for a while Leprosy in your Bible From Genesis to Revelation is a type of what? Amen. Say it loud please Amen. Sin Everyone agree? That's not my interpretation God makes that very clear Leprosy is a type of sin Now you go back and look at Leviticus uh, 12 13, 14, 15 God gave instructions for leprosy If it got in the home If it got on the clothes And if it got on the person and many times in those instructions, he says stuff like this. If it be smaller than, if it be larger than, if it be reddish, if it be whitish. Now, wait a minute. Reddish? Whitish? If I say reddish, what am I saying? In my judgment, in my opinion. Right? Right? got this idea that everything the pastor preaches, he has to have a thus saith the Lord. A verse. I had a young lady who got me studying this come up to me as a pastor and said, why is it wrong for me to have pink hair? Miss So-and-so in the church, she was in her 70s, she has blue. <laughs> And so she dies on a black out. What's wrong with me having pink hair? She was a teenager, and she was always questioning everything. I didn't jump on her. I didn't yell at her. She didn't come to me disrespectful. She had an honest question. She deserved an honest answer. And I gave her some principles, and she said, but there's no verse in the Bible that says a woman can't have pink hair. I said, no, there's not. So I can have it. I said, there's no verse in the Bible that says that I can't take a 357 and shoot you. That's not murder. Who said it would be murder? Preacher. We went on about this. She was just messing. But here's my point. I got to thinking about that, and I thought, you know, there's a lot of things we preach and we teach our people, we don't have them exist. A a 10-year-old has no business with a cell phone, in my opinion. Now, you follow whatever your pastor tells you, all right? I don't want my kids uh, on on social media, uh, just a lot of things I could say. That's personal. You do whatever your pastor, but here's what I'm trying to say. In those chapters of Leviticus, do you know all of those things about, do you know why God God gave an eye, why he said greenish and whitish and reddish and smaller than than if it be to the eye larger than, and those statements are found all throughout those chapters. Guess who had to make every one of those calls? The priest. The Levite priest. Someone had to make a call. Now, let me ask you a question. If the priest, do you think the two different priests, the high priest is the one that did it, but let's say a high priest look at it and he dies, and then the next day another high priest, is it possible that those two men, good men, look at it and one say, no, that's not leprosy, that's a zit? Because leprosy, which resembles, is it sometimes. And another one says, no, I think that's leprosy. Is that possible? Yes. More than possible. What is their motive? Their motive is they're trying to keep sin from hurting the camp and from the individual, right? Yes. Let me ask you a question. Why didn't God say, we're going to have a committee here, and we're going to have a, a 20 priests and we're going to let all of them determine what is leprosy and what is not leprosy? Because you have 18 opinions on one thing, 15 here, and five here, two here, three there. God said one man has to make it. And by the way, sin, why did God liken leprosy to sin? Because there's no no book that you can go to, and there's no way God could put it back when he wrote the Bible, every sin that every man's ever going to be committed. So he gives us a shepherd. And you know what that shepherd's job is? Just like the Levitical priest it's to say, hey, to the best of my ability, I believe this is leprosy. Stay away from it. Now maybe the pastor down the road of the good church says, I don't think it's leprosy. Maybe your pastor says, I don't think it's leprosy. And the pastor down the road, maybe my pastor says, it's leprosy. Who do you follow? You follow the shepherd God gave you that's how it eliminates the confusion folks if you get your young people together brother and you take them to a youth meeting they listen you're going to hear five opinions on Facebook and on WhatsApp and on TikTok and and who should do what and whether they should play video games and what video games they should play I'm just using young people but whatever how we should dress what's appropriate what's not appropriate who do I listen to God gave you a shepherd God gave you a leader and to the best of his ability he may not get it right he may get to heaven and God say, you know, Brother Ray Re- or uh, Brother Zabotsky, uh, that really won't represent him, but do you think God's going to deem him and judge him if he was doing everything he can just to keep sin out of your life in the church? Do you believe that's his desire? So who do we listen to? If I have an opinion and he has one, I'm not your pastor, he is. If JD Howe, my pastor, has an opinion and Brother Zabotsky's is different, I'm going to listen to my pastor. My pastor thinks going to the movies is a sin. I've never gone, but I don't think it's a sin. But I've never gone. I will never go as long as he's my pastor. Why? Because he says it's leprosy. And God put me under him. Therefore, I'm going to follow him. I was under a man that said facial hair wasn't Right. As long as I sat under that man as a young preacher, I never grew it. Why? Because he said, I don't want you to have it. Well, that's man worship. No, that is following the priest. That's following the preacher that God gave me. And can I tell you, church, God has always blessed me. And yes, you can go down to Old Bay of you can get up and preach something, and you can name five preachers that may disagree. Here's the difference. They're not your priest. They're not your pastor. They're not your leader. God put him over you to say, in my opinion, this is leprosy. Now that's a serious thing, preacher, because you know what that means? That means one day we're going to stand before the Lord Jesus. And we're going to answer for everything we didn't call leprosy that was. That's the burden that man carries every day of his life. It's not always easy to look. You imagine a priest walking into a man's home and looking at a spot and knowing that if he says it's leprosy in the wall, he's got to remove that family, he's got to shut up the house, he's got to displace them, he's got to upend all that they're doing. I don't think they took it lightly. I don't believe your pastor takes it lightly, young people, families. I'm just—I'm encouraging you. I am not—you—I'm not your pastor, but can I tell you? Listen to this man for instruction. Be blessed by listening to other people. But if they say something different than your man, I believe i seen y'all were in a series in Revelation on prophecy. You're going to hear, if you listen to other people, you're going to hear different opinions in what your pastor says. Just take your pastor's belief follow it. I'm not saying blindly. I'm talking about as he follows God, you follow him. I'll tell you what God will do. God will bless you. Israel wound up in a mess and I'm about done because he would, they would not simply say, okay Moses, we know you've been with God." God. Do you think this man walks with God? I believe he does. I could talk about his devotion. This crowd fought Moses in spite of Moses praying. Have any of you ever fasted 40 days, 40 nights? That's what Moses did twice, twice for the people. He prays, he fasts, he studies. Do you remember Exodus chapter 32, verses 31 and 32? Moses goes to God and says, God, you need to forgive them of their sin, and if you're not going to forgive them, blot my name out. Well, God ain't going to do that. But that shows this man's burden. This man's saying, God, I'm so concerned for my congregation, my people. I'd rather you deal with me than hurt them. What a man. That's the burden the pastor carries. His devotion, his direction, his doctrine, his divine appointment. Notice his, his desire. And I'm done. Look at Exodus 33. You know these stories, and there's much more I could say. We could talk about his displeasure. Can I just mention that really quick in Exodus 32, verse 19? Do you remember the story? Moses comes down after being with God, getting the commandments, getting the instructions, and what's he find? The people are naked, dancing around a fire and an image of, of a calf and, and calling it God, and the assistant pastor got him in a mess. <laughs> <laughs> just, and thank God those great assistant pastors But Aaron didn't do Moses any favors Moses comes down Did Moses have a right to be mad? Was he mad because he was angry at what they did to him Or was he mad because of what they did to God? Yeah. I like to tell you the pastor's always happy. But if he's a real man of God, and I know you've gone, sometimes he's displeased. Sometimes he's got to get in the pulpit and say things he don't want to say. Yeah. Sometimes he's got to deal with sin he'll just soon not deal with. Sometimes he's got to pull you aside and say, hey, I'm concerned about this in your life. Understand, he's not doing it to aggravate you, make you mad, upset you, or hurt you. He's doing it to try to keep you right with God and keep the judgment of God off of you. Do you remember the rest of the story? God says, Moses, just move out of the way. I'll kill him, and I'll start another line with you. Moses said, oh, God, please don't do that. If Moses and God would have ever got together, Israel was in trouble. You understand what I'm saying? I'm saying, Moses, Moses, listen, displeasure. And sometimes your pastor, hey, listen, because of his displeasure, it changed Moses' message. It changed his mannerisms. And it changed his ministry. Please get this, church. I don't have time to deal with it. Because people wouldn't do right, Moses winds up disobeying God, if y'all remember the story, the first time he said, strike the rock and water come. Then again, they're complaining, they're griping, they're carrying on. God says, Moses, go back to that rock and speak to it. Because see, Jesus only dies once and Jesus was that rock. Right. And Moses comes and he's angry with the people and they're murmuring and they're complaining and he strikes the rock. Now, at the end of the day, he is supposed to rule his own spirit. I preached on that in Sunday school. But I just wonder if he would have had a crowd that just said, you know what? We're just going to trust God. Maybe Moses wouldn't have messed up his ministry. And you know what I found? I have found preachers that are getting out of ministry, quitting. And at the end of the day, it was their choice. I am not excusing their decision. But I believe there was a group of people that really didn't help the matter any by how they followed or didn't follow the man. The man of God's displeasure, if he's a man of God, it's not about what you're doing to him, it's what you're doing to your family, what you're doing to God, and what you're doing to your testimony. In Exodus 33, the desire is simply this. If you know the story, in Exodus 33 and verse number 12 down to 18, I won't read all these. Moses says, God, I know we're supposed to go, but if you're not going with us, I'm not going. Verse 15, if thy presence go not with me, carry us up in thy hands. Lord, is that, is that not what our, our every desire ought to be? And Moses said, God, if we're going to make this work, show me your glory. You know, at the end of the day, you want to know what a minister's desire is for their people? To simply see the glory of God in their life not to hurt you, it's not to see how many rules they can place on you, it's not to cramp your lifestyle, it's not to aggravate you. Our goal as a minister, as a pastor, is simply for you to experience and see the glory of God in your life. Thank God for a pastor that's interested in his church seeing God. Amen? What I'm saying this evening is... You can minister to your minister by simply saying, by the grace of God, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to love him. I'm going to pray for him. When he preaches one of them hard messages, don't come up and say, boy, preacher, you sure should, little boy. Come up and hug his neck and say, thank you, preacher. Thank you for caring enough. When he, when he preaches and it hits your teenager, instead of taking your teenager's side and getting mad at the man, come up to him and say, preacher, thank you for caring enough about my family to tell me the truth. He is going to say some things that's going to rattle you. He's going to say some things that you have to change. But I want you to remember, the burden is on this man to keep leprosy out of your life, out of your family, and out of this church. Love him. Pray for him. Exactly. If it's possible, he's going to do everything he can. Moses did everything he could, but at the end of the day, people make their own choices got a man I believe that's meek that wants to see God and I appreciate this church and how you respond to your pastor would you continue it now I'm going to do one more thing I'm done preaching I'm not going to give an invitation I'm just going to ask you to do one thing for me as we close I didn't get his permission and I'll get forgiveness if I do wrong I want to do this tonight we're going to take up that special offering but it ain't going to Brian Trudway I want it to go to you, pastor. A preacher, you don't have any needs? No, I got them. I got a bunch of them, but that's no, that's irrelevant. This is his birthday, his day. And what I want to do is anything you give special, God will take care of me. I've got seven inches of water waiting for me at my mom's house when I get back and an emergency plumbing crew that's having to come out and... God knows what I'm. Uh, this said, uh, but this ain't about me, okay? God will meet my needs. He's always met my needs. But as I prayed, the Lord said, "I said, Lord, that's you. Uh, but I want to do something for this man. Amen. This man. You understand? Sometimes evangelists come through and people pat us on the back, and I'm thankful for that. But can I tell you the best friends you've got ain't the evangelist that comes through and sounds good. It's that pastor that prays for you, that's there when you're sick, that's there when you're at the deathbed, that's there at the casket, that's there when your babies are born and your grandchildren have issues and your home's about to fall apart. It's that man and his wife that's going to be there. Can I say you ought to never have a favorite preacher that's above your pastor because he does way more for you than any man that's ever going to come through here.